0: Coming up on the fifth episode of Playing Catch-Up, Everett and i will discuss the inauguration of our 46th president president joseph robinette biden jr Junior. his day one executive actions and the potential end to the senate filibuster but first here are some headlines from the week on monday Everett, yes news broke of the arrest of a 36 year old california man aditya singh who was arrested in chicago's o'hare airport mr singh had arrived at o'hare airport on october 19th 2020 and lived there for three months until he was found on January 16th. The the judge's remarks in this case say it all. Quote, You're telling me that an unauthorized, non-employee individual was living within a secure part of O'Hare Airport Terminal from October 10th to to January 16th and was not detected? I want to understand you correctly. End quote. Ever Beals, could you have pulled this off? I,
1: no, I honestly don't think I could. How did they find him? How did they realize, finally, that he didn't work there?
0: It was a group of uh, United Airlines employees that he flashed a badge to that was stolen. It was identified to the United employees prior as a missing badge, and when they saw it from him, they were like, Hey, wait a minute.
1: So he was just walking around with some guy's ID card the whole time. And that's my ticket to sleeping in Chicago for free,
0: <laughs> for three months.
1: Wow, that's a great deal.
0: Well, I for one know I could have, you know. Oh. Airports have so many, so many little weird sections that you can hide in. Yeah. Uh. Logan Airport, I I stake out in the legal seafood. Nobody realizes I've been there. Uh, once they catch me, I move on to the Delta Sky Lounge. They kick me out. I go to the support dog pee area. They never catch me. Wow. Well,
1: eventually you're going to run out of places to be. You can't, you know.
0: Like, uh, that mm-hmm. movie with that guy. Have you ever been to an airport, Everett?
1: A couple times.
0: There are tons of places.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I've never been to Chicago. Not to mention airport hotels. Which are fun. Okay, the next thing. Uh, this Tuesday, the day before the inauguration of President Biden, 400 lights were illuminated around the reflecting pool on the National Mall between the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument to honor the now over 400,000 dead from COVID-19 in the United States. This tribute was part of the ceremonies put on over three days by the Biden Inaugural Committee and took place simultaneously with other memorial services and vigils occurring across the country. The now president and vice president both spoke at the event, with Mr. Biden saying, It's hard sometimes to remember, but that's how we heal. What kind of signal, if any, did the Biden administration intend to convey to Americans in holding this memorial service,
0: Brian? I'm not sure what their intentions were, but the effect on me was I was just like, you know, um, and we'll definitely get into this more later. But this whole week of behavior, I think, we have of this president shows that he is just a really good guy. He's a <laughs> like great whatever man. Whatever disagreements you have. Whatever disagreements you have with him politics-wise, um, whether you're, you think he's too moderate, you think he's a crazy Raphael Warnock liberal,
1: you
0: have to agree that he's a good guy. And he just, you know, he wants the bets for the country and he has a lot of empathy.
1: That's right. Yeah, it was a good turnaround to see, uh, you know, a president that cared, even before he was president. So it was nice.
0: This is gonna be a discussion topic later in the episode, so we won't uh, go into in depth on this. What was your favorite moment from the inauguration ceremony, Everett Beals?
1: Oh man, my my most very favorite. Name moment. one. Name one thing I liked a lot. Um, oh my goodness. Well, I liked the poem that was given a lot. I thought that was great. Uh, it was very well done, and it was uh, it went above and beyond what I have come to expect from poetry out loud. So that was nice. What an original take What an original take also liked uh I loved the poem. I, I loved to see um at the beginning since I was just walking everyone trickle in. you know, Jim Clyburn was like in charge there for a long time until a president got around, so um, and he's basically he might be credited for this very thing happening had it not been for him, Joe Biden probably would not have won, I guess so. That was cool. What, did, what was your most favorite moment, Bren Weld?
0: Oh, well, this is going to be a deep cut from the inauguration ceremony, and it, uh, my referencing it will show how I watched literally every moment from the day, but my favorite part was the congressional gift-giving part. Oh,
1: I like did that, too. Did you see too.
0: this? Yes. If listeners didn't see it, the chairs of the inaugural committee, as well as party leadership from the House and the Senate, Gave gifts to Joe and Kamala. It was a really cool moment to see all of them joking around and being nice to each other. Everyone will hate this, but I think it showed the humanity of these people who many Americans view as horrible trolls. They're not they're actually nice people. They're all friends, they're all buddies.
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. I like what was your favorite gift that they got? The painting or the vases or the or the
0: picture? It was crazy how they had that photo. They wow. had a photo of the thing that happened like five minutes before. And Kevin McCarthy was like, hey, Joe, modern technology, huh? And Kevin's Joe like, was this like free tribute out.
1: to Californian technology. Today, Friday the 22nd, is only Joe Biden's third day in office. So far, the president has issued more than 20 executive orders, 17 of which were signed on Inauguration Day alone. Many of President Biden's first actions were intended to reverse the worst damages of the previous administration, some of which included orders for mask mandates on federal property and steps to improve the nation's standing on the world stage as Biden ordered the country's re-entry into the World Health Organization and the Paris Climate Accords. He also moved to extend moratoriums on on evictions, as well as the pause on student loan payments, and reinstated diversity training programs and anti-discrimination rules for federal institutions. Other highlights include the official revocation of the Keystone XL Pipeline permit, strengthening of the DACA program, and the formation of a new unified COVID-19 response team with a seat at, on the National Security Council. What do these ambitious first steps tell us about the goals of the new Biden administration?
0: My takeaway was, um, 46, he's not screwing around, you know? He's serious. He said, here's what I'll do on day one, and then and they did it. it. <laughs> wow. It also goes to show the, the uh, intense planning that had to have um, happened in the transition to say, here's what we're going to do day one, and here's how we'll do it, and then they did all that stuff.
1: They sure did. Great job.
0: Great job. Clap it up.
1: <laughs> to answer my own question, I, I thought it was uh, it's a very good sign. Um, not only because he's doing, or his administration is doing so much in the first days, but it's also things that, it's, a lot of it have been things people have been asking for a long time, even before the Trump administration. And um, a lot of it is a direct response. Now I'm looking right at you. A lot of it is a direct response to things that happened during the Trump administration. So I guess it's unfortunate that so much time has to be spent repealing things that have already happened. But it's necessary to get things on the right track.
0: As many have said, it's easier to break things than it is to fix things, huh? You're telling me. And finally, Everett... Oh boy. The WNBA announced that their franchise, the Atlanta Dream, is close to being sold. The Atlanta Dream's former owner, former Georgia Senator Kelly Leffler. Leffler faced a mutiny from her team's players this past summer when she condemned the Black Lives Matter movement and what she called the politicization of sports. Players from the Dream and others from, from around the league quickly began sporting, supporting her opponent, Senator Raphael Warnock, even wearing Vote Warnock t shirts during warm ups crazy, huh? It was. The buyer is unknown, but LeBron James publicly expressed interest in buying the team earlier this month. Everett, I don't really have a question for this, but this is like pretty cool, right? I think it's pretty neat. Um
1: since I I don't I don't care much for uh for old Kelly here and uh, it was cool to see that the team like like I guess it is a mutiny in a way, but they took things into their own hands and they definitely weren't afraid about I mean, I guess they're staying on the team no matter what. But they put what they thought was important over a paycheck. Um, So that was pretty cool. And it's good to see, you know, I don't want to draw a line and say what is real and isn't activism in sports being just a guy, but it was pretty neat to see him take a stand.
0: <laughs> That's it for our headline segment. Up next, discussion of Joe Biden's first two days and something that could ruin the rest of his days. <laughs> we'll be we right back. A bad time.
1: <laughs> Brian, we're back. And now we're we're talk- we're talking about Joe Biden. Man, finally inaugurated on last Wednesday, the 20th of this month of January. What a great celebration it was, huh? We had a whole weekend and then leading up days of Memorial services and celebrating America. And fear, fear, and loathing. And fear, <laughs> and then finally, the day came, and it went off without a hitch, except for the doors. I guess in the White House weren't open for like ten seconds. That's okay.
0: Um, I had a great job. This is the time. fifth inauguration that Everett and I have been alive for, huh? Yeah, that's that's a few. But it's the first one I think I've ever really paid attention to, you know?
1: Yeah, I've got- i got a memory- a, a snapchat memory, to be clear. Of the inauguration of, uh, the- the 45. And, uh, well, you know... I don't remember having a very strong opinion at the time, which I'm kind of kicking myself for, but this one I've been waiting for now... ...for a long time, and it was very exciting to see it done. So overall, I thought it was
0: pretty. let's talk about the speech, let's talk about the speech, let's talk about the speech, okay? Fine, do it. Alright, I'm going to rattle off some quotes that I enjoyed.
1: Go ahead. Brian's best of Joe Biden quotes. Quotations from Chairman Biden.
0: Quote! In another January on New Year's Day in 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. When he put pen to paper, the president said, and I quote, If my name ever goes down into history, it will be for this act, and my whole soul is in it. My whole soul is in it. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bring America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation, and I ask that every American to join me in this cause. Alright, I'm there with you man, I'll join you. Max quote! The American story depends not on any one of us, not on some of us, but on all of us. On we, the people who seek a more perfect union. This is a great nation, we are good people. And over the centuries, through storm and strife, and peace and in war, we've come so far, but we still have far to go. We'll lead not merely by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. I love that one.
1: That's my personal on the, uh, Yeah, he was campaigning on
0: that one. My fellow Americans, I close today where I began with a sacred oath. Before God and all of you, I give, my, give you my word. I will always level with you. I will defend the Constitution, I'll defend our democracy, I'll defend America.
1: Big promises from a big man.
0: A lot of stuff there. I like that he uh, also
1: led with um, saying that democracy has prevailed. I think that might have been the headline on many newspapers. What do you think of that? You know, that was sort of the, in being his first lines, that sort of frames the entire speech. What do you think of that? I enjoyed it. I think it's a good message. You know, uh, some people say, well, that's not true. <laughs> but in a sense, it is.
0: I think the um, the speech represents a lot of what Joe Biden is trying to do in his... Um, well, I guess that's the point of it. So, um, But I think it um, centers around his two important things, and that's, you know beyond his four crises which we'll get into later his two important things are really telling the american people the truth and um most second one truth and could it be restoring oh uniting yes yeah his two things he's always wanted are truth and uniting the country and these two the speech was really constructed off of that um that's what i've Heard from different sources close to the um, speech writing process that Joe said he wanted a speech about unity and a speech about truth telling. Um, And I think, you know, this line here I give you my word, I will always level with you. I think we have this sort of um, same feeling in yesterday's briefing with Dr. Fauci, where he said, um, I've been given the uh, opportunity to. When I don't know the answer, I will tell you. And when things are going to get worse, I will tell you. I will always, you know, tell you what I know. And if I don't know anything, I'm not going to guess. And I think that's really important to restoring the kind of Washington that Joe Biden, um, you know, worked in in the 1970s and 80s and 90s when he was in the Senate. And even, you know to some extent, during the Obama administration in the first few years when, you know, the Tea Party hadn't really gained control of the Republican opposition and there was ability to, um, you know, make peace and be able to at least accomplish something together. Um, And I think at the bedrock of that, you have to have um a basis of truth and an accepted fact. You can't, you know, coexist if you don't agree on the same um fundamental things you don't have to agree on you know opinion wise but you have to agree that you know climate change is happening you have to agree that he you know won the election with no voter fraud no widespread voter fraud you have to agree on those things to be able to you know coexist and doing that will help towards getting his goal of unity which i think that was the whole the whole purpose of not only that speech but also the celebrating america special that night and you know the we the people sort of thing that he i think was the theme of the inauguration and was the theme of his um DNC um you know convention as well he you know invited John Kasich, and Colin Powell, Republicans, to be a part of his speech as well, to sort of bring all Americans together. Um, Will he be able to accomplish this? I don't know, but I think the White House is at least um, trying to be unified, and it obviously takes two to tango, as people in the news media like to say. Um, So if the Republicans want to cooperate and be united, then Joe Biden is there and ready. You know, if the media wants to also be united and not try to divide us, um, I think we're ready for everyone to come to the table. Right. Ever? I can't get anything Any done thoughts with... on the two? Yeah, you can't get anything done with
1: contradictions going on. Um, and you pointed out, and that stuck out to me a lot too, um, Dr. Fauci gave a speech before about our rejoining the WHO, and then he also gave a briefing. Um, about the state of the pandemic and what his newer role would be. Um, and he was visibly much happier. Uh, he had a smile on his face. Um, and it, it was very exciting. And as much as it says uh, about the current administration, because reporters were directly asking Fauci if he felt different, or I think the word one reporter used was, do you feel liberated? Um and he answered that, but and as much as that says about the current state of things, it probably more starkly points out um, just how different the environment was only a few days ago. Um,
0: well, in in that briefing, I felt that there was a lot of the media trying to get him to take swipes at the previous administration. Yeah, that seems like, like what they were trying to that bait briefing, him to do. Which he a lot avoided, of the questions but, were like, Yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of the questions were direct... Yeah, a lot of the... Yeah, go ahead, Brian. No, I want to hear what you're saying. (laughs) Well, exactly as you were saying, a lot of the questions were directly sort of trying to get him to to come out and say that he did feel liberated and he felt he was being silenced before, which is partially true, and in some ways he admitted that.
0: And that's not really part of unity, as much as, I don't know.
1: No, I'm just saying what it shows is that now um, he has the ability... Because yeah, as you're saying, he's one of the better spots is truth and trust.
0: Truth and unity.
1: Right. Uh, so he can yeah. now speak directly without fear of losing his job. Um as I hope uh all people in government will now be able to do. One before he, they had the threat of a vengeful president looming over them for saying something that wouldn't sell. Um so yeah.
0: So the musical performances, too, those were excellent. I think the diversity, um, not only, you know, from background-wise, but different genres um, show the people that this is a presidency for all Americans where you can have Garth Brooks, Lady Gaga, Jennifer Lopez. And I think it's something that...
1: That stood out, right, was, like, Garth Brooks doing that? Um. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he, he's, I don't know, he's from a pretty well-conservative area, and his lot of his fans are conservative, so it definitely was a step not only from Garth Brooks, the person, but from the inaugural committee to, to just as you said, try mm-hmm. and, you know, work towards a uh, goal of unity.
0: And I think that something about Lady Gaga that I think is um, interesting is that a lot of people, and I don't think this happens as much lately, but a lot of people, you know, see here as the meat-dressed lady or the, like, the weird person, like the Ramamama, like, that singing. The People yeah. think it's, like, a, not necessarily fit for an inaugural event. Um, and I think that, you know, I was reading that Joe Biden in 2013, he worked with Lady Gaga on... Um, trying to pass legislation to um, curb sexual assault on college campuses. So mm-hmm. Joe Biden is the kind of person who sees you for your character and sees you for who you are, not just as Lady Gaga is funny, meat dressed lady. Yeah, it's more, Lady Gaga you know, is an extremely something to
1: talented say. Um, singer, yeah. songwriter, performer who can do her, carry her own weight on stage in basically anything and perform that mm-hmm. song beautifully even though it's extremely challenging yeah speaking of that it was cool to see um eugene gorman who i think we talked about before the capitol police officer who um yeah we definitely talked about this who redirected the mob um and he's been uh anyway he was like the i believe he's the new assistant sergeant at arms for one of the chambers and he escorted yeah the deputy
0: Vice- house sergeant at arms i think
1: yeah, and he got to escort Kamala Harris um, onto the platform, so that was pretty neat to see him have some some real recognition and, and, there. And
0: when, they, and when they announced special, you know, Deputy Sergeant-at-Arms for inauguration, and Eugene Goodman, they gave him a standing ovation, and he had a little, little tear running down his face, because I feel like that's probably, you know, not really a job that... And I know that in the past few episodes I've done... Brian Foizie pro police. But it's a, it's a, it's a thankless job these days. And when you do it right, you should be commended because law enforcement should be encouraged to have those sort of peaceful interventions in scenarios that could easily turn incredibly violent. Uh, Poet Laureate Everett's already laid on uh, uh, Everett's already laid touched on, on the commendations. <laughs> Everett's already touched on that, but, um, she was obviously excellent, everyone's talking about it, and, um, I don't know, I was gonna say, I hope she gets a great career, but I was like, what's the career for a poet these days, you know?
1: Write more poetry, speak up more inauguration. But for what?
0: What's the, what's the, what's the event that you can... Speak out. I guess she's already
1: had the two highest honors a poet can have is winning the National Poet Laureate. Yeah, there's it's all just speaking out an inauguration. I mean, that's it, but I'm sure unless maybe she writes
0: plays or something,
1: there's plenty more for a talented writer to do.
0: Um, She's also said that she wants to run for president. That'd be pretty neat. The difficult thing about Amanda Gorman, though, is that they keep saying like youth poet laureate and um. I guess she does look a little young for her age. So people are like, oh, this little girl came up and g- gave this poem. She is 22, um, But it right? was actually, she is a 22-year-old woman, not like a little girl. Yeah, she won the, being... Polar-
1: the award when she was in high school, but...
0: Yeah. Uh, the wreath laying at the Arlington National Cemetery at the Tomb of the Unknown. Obviously, um, you know, both a cool moment and a, a solemn moment. And I think that's a chord that the um, inaugural community and the Biden administration has struck, you know, has dealt with correctly Is what's the amount of, um, you know, the the pageantry, the celebration, but also the solemnity of the time when there was um, a a terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol, but also 400,000 people and counting dead from the coronavirus. So you have to... You can't just be like... It can't are? all be fanfare. Yeah. They have to take a moment. And, it can't all be cool. Yeah, they have to And have I think those they found those moments. moments.
1: Yeah, and they did yeah. really well with them. Um, and it was... That was definitely uh, a big moment. And then to have all... Not all of them, but three other presidents there as well. Um, and they gave a brief... They had a conversation there between Bush, Clinton... And that was at the Celebrating America special, yes, but and it was obviously was recorded. Aired that night, um, but from mm-hmm. the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Um, so that was really cool Then well. they
0: Then they went from Arlington to the parade. Any thoughts on the parade before I go on my Al Roker?
1: I knew you were going to say Al Roker, but yeah, I found it funny that um, when he got out of the car, a lot of reporters were like, Joe, come here. And he'd come over and they would ask the president a question. And he would say... Yeah, then walk away, would not answer the <laughs> questions. It was really funny. Um, but it was good to see, like, you know, it was just so, I keep saying it's good or great just to see things happening, but what I mean is that it's reassuring and comforting to see, like, a family who are, you know, they aren't just holding hands for the show of it. You know, this is actually, like, the Bidens um, are cool people, generally. What do you think of Al Roker?
0: Um, Al Roker. Let's get into it. Oh. Al Roker has been entertaining and informing and just helping the American public along for decades at this point. Al Roker, American treasure. Hero. Hero Al Roker. Who perhaps- two inaugurations, no, actually, two Biden inaugurations in a row. He has gotten that fist bump or that handshake With from Joe. our man, Joe Biden. When, the mo- when that happened, the Foyze family house erupted in raucous applause. I think I might have broken the window. I was so excited.
1: You were so happy for Al I, I just Al punched. punched. I can't I so imagine happy for anything less I than I punched TV. being awarded the High Civilian Honor of the Presidential Medal of Freedom.
0: I mean, like...
1: Yeah, no, he, is he that cool.
0: Do you ever hear him say, Yo, neck of the woods? Of course I have. What do I look like? Some fool? You're neck of the woods. That's hilarious. That's comedy. That's brilliant. Put him on SNL. Put him on SNL. The man has... Um... Prostate cancer right now, also. Oh. And Joe gave him a little message that was like... We gotta keep doing it, man. We gotta get through this. And I think...
1: And he will. I think that
0: was nice. Yeah. And... And um in twenty seventeen or something thereabouts, Biden was in the Today Show and said, If I ever run for president again now, you'll be the director of NOAA. To my knowledge that that has not happened yet. But there's still time.
1: There there's still a lot of time. Maybe
0: an maybe an, un, an under secretary
1: position. You know? Maybe he's already been offered the position and he turned Maybe it he down.
0: Did, maybe maybe he rejected it, yeah. The celebrating America special, Everett. Yeah, celebrating America. Did you? I only. Caught I loved the... it. I loved every second of it.
1: I liked it a lot. I only caught the last half hour, but it reminded me a lot of watching the um the Democratic nominating uh process from last time, where you had all the people virtually from every state and every territory, um, and it was like a special group that represented something unique about the state or the territory. Um, or it recognized mm-hmm. like a uh, tribe or something, and that was a lot like this, but you had bands and uh, you know marching. Sarah group, Fuller, drum lines, and Sarah Fuller and Tom Hanks, who needed a jacket. It was great. Tom Hanks was cold. He was chilly. Where was, his, there? Where was
0: his jacket? I liked it when they would be like, "Here's Joe Biden," and you'd be like, "Where's Joe Biden?" And then the band would be playing a little tune. And then the camera would be like swirling around. And you're like, where the hell is Joe Biden gonna pop out of? And then it went into the Lincoln Monument, and he was like standing there, and he was like, "Hello, America. Hello, America. It's I'm me. here. Your what president." was
1: Joe Biden hiding behind? And then he was there. He was yeah.
0: inside of the inside of the thing, and then they were like, "Here's Kamala Harris." And then the band was like, <laughs> and you were like, "Where is she?" And then the camera was like. <laughs> And there was Kamala. And then they found Kamala. Yeah. There she was. All right, we're going to take another little break here, but then we'll be talking about the executive orders and the filibuster debate in the Senate. Let's take like cool. a round.
1: You're not going to want to miss this.
0: Um, I think we should touch on what the Biden administration has called their four crises and how these different executive actions fit inside of those categories. Um, So the four crises that the president has um, uh, uh, established and the four things he thinks are the major crises in America are, first, COVID-19, second, the economic aftermath of the pandemic, third, uh, racial inequity, um, which also encompasses immigration reform, and uh, the climate crisis. Those are his four crises. And I think... Pretty much everything on here includes, touches on that in some way. Um, maybe not modernizing the reg- the regulatory process, or, um, but I think that's probably it. You know, in- ensuring equity for all Americans um, is a better way to say the racial crisis. But I feel like in his yeah, first some of the actions, he
1: some of the executive orders also involve. Um, LGBTQ plus protections as well, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe there's something about yeah, um, trans um trans people as well, correct? Um, mm-hmm. that got some backlash for some reason on Twitter. Um, even though yeah. it was increasing protections,
0: but I, th- I think I think hashtag Biden erased women was trending on yes. Twitter.
1: Apparently, that was mostly re- a response from within the community, um, but was pretty clearly uh i don't know it was shut down just because it was ridiculous
0: there's some strange um conservative cisgender female crowd that thinks that every advancement for the trans community is um hurting their rights harms,
1: yeah something that harms yeah. women
0: that's um sort of the the JK Rowling coalition
1: yes led by their fearless... <laughs> JK
0: Rowling they're fearless, They're fearless leader they JK Relling, Relling.
1: who always stands up for women.
0: Another thing that I think it, um, on here that I've never understood is why should there be offshore oil drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge? Why? Well, who thinks that's ever a good idea? I mean, I understand if you're a completely heartless um, oil baron like in the Muppets movie um that you don't like care about the arctic national wildlife refuge but i I don't think anyone would agree that's a good idea i don't think anyone thinks that that should be a thing that happens
1: yeah i I mean somebody
0: obviously does but if you ever watch frozen planet and you're like you know what we should do we should spill a lot of oil over here
1: let's let's start drilling
0: here let's 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 drown these fuckers in oil I you know, Remember when the last
1: administration came to Maine and like uh, in their last year and the big thing was like, Oh, we're gonna open up fishing and drilling and surveying in off George's bank again. Isn't that so great? And all the and like the three people they had there were like, Yeah, you should do it. Um so I don't know why like it's so exciting and like he talks about like the non controversial environmental laws the only two big ones we have that are still around the clean air act and the clean water act he was like we're gonna have clean air and clean water um but he's so he was so excited (laughs) to and so proud of being able to you know
0: and he also hated the endangered species act i think didn't he hack that apart too
1: yeah he did and they they rolled back a bunch of restrictions but it definitely i think like Everyone can agree that it's not something they get excited about, excited about when the President is taking away all the uh, restrictions and protections that have been put in place for endangered animals and wildlife preserves. like that's not I don't think anyone can get excited about that, except for some comically evil oil, oil baron, like you said. so.
0: And finally, Everett, the final part of our episode. Oh boy, let's talk about something that I know we both feel incredibly strongly about.
1: Oh, I sure Um, do.
0: But let's touch on why we're even having this question right now. Um, So the Republicans um, and the Democrats have a 50-50 split majority. And while they are given a technical majority with the tie-breaking vote of Kamala Harris as vice president, um, they still have to uh, come to an agreement of how the Senate will structure uh, committees and things like that. Who will be chairman? Who will be ranking member? Um, in certain committees. From my point of view, I should uh, Chuck Schumer should just be like, "Hey, we had the majority. Guess what, Bucko? Listen here, Jack. <laughs> Clap for Listen this, up, you stupid bro. bastard."
1: And just get and tell <laughs> him, <laughs> he him what's what. just be like,
0: "We had the majority. We have the chairmanships. We have all of this stuff." Why do they even have to have the Republicans agree with them? I know we want the whole unity thing or whatever, but um, <laughs> Brian Foisy, the whole unity thing or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um. I mean, it.
1: it is... Oh my goodness. It is interesting. Um, there was an article by Ez, an opinion piece in the <laughs> yeah, New York do, do. Times, <laughs> by Ezra Klein, and he got a quote from Jim Clyburn, who's the House Majority Whip, who said that he told the President-elect elect to, quote, reach across... We, to quote, reach out across the aisle. Try to work with Republicans, but don't let them stymie your program. You can't allow the search for bipartisanship to ruin the mandate the American people gave you. So, yeah, the whole idea of bipartisanship is um important because in both chambers and in the entire government, the idea should be that everyone is working together to somehow agree and compromise on something. But when you have um as we presume that the GOP will soon return to their policy of, actually, I don't want you to do anything. For example, Merrick Garland's nomination, um, which was completely withheld. I'm pretty sure most Democrats will fondly remember the eight-day confirmation of um, Amy Coney Barrett. So, the difference there. Um, ACB! That's right, and she was at the inauguration. So... Joe Biden, being a former senator, understands how important compromise is. But I think everyone in the Senate now, and including Joe Biden, the president, I should speak with him with higher respect now, more than ever, um, understands that they may have to, since they're in charge, they've won, then they need to just work to get it done. And as James Clyburn, Jim Clyburn said, they need to uh, work on the mandate they were given.
0: I think that the issue about the bipartisan unity cooperation is the Democrats will the Democrats had a majority, so they shouldn't have to say, Hey Republicans, can you can you look at what we have? Can you tell us what you think of it and be able to dictate policy that we're proposing? I feel like that shouldn't be the case in which we are beholden to them for Passing what we want to do. Since we're the majority, we should be able to just say, all right, there's 51 of us. That's the vote. Here you go. And And the reason
1: um, in the Senate, and you're about to, this is the topic of this entire area, but the reason for that original purpose of, or I guess it wasn't even originally intended, but the present 21st century gridlock in the Senate has to do with the filibuster. Um, which means that to get anything actually done, if the uh, minority party is doesn't want you to do anything, you need a 60-vote supermajority to invoke clo- cloture and end a filibuster. If you don't have 60 votes, then nothing happens. Um, and there's been discussion that now that it would take exactly 51 votes or a 50-50 vote with a tiebreaker, to remove the filibuster from the Senate rules, which they say would stop the gridlock. Um, Brian, what do you think of that idea?
0: My thought on this is that, and what I was trying to say earlier and probably didn't get to my point, um, was that the Republicans' idea of bipartisanship is, okay, yeah, we'll work with you. What do you have? Uh, No, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. <laughs> no more stimulus. Mm, climate change isn't real. Mm, no, that's not really bipartisanship. That's more like um, <laughs> pretending we'll that they you, are it's, the majority. It's, it's, we'll
1: let you. We will consider your your legislative action if we get everything we want, which is none of what you which,
0: want. now more than ever. Um, so why are why are we allowing them to kick to just kick us in the teeth over and over again? You know.
1: Yeah, when you could change it. Um, which it seems like there is pretty... now,
0: there is now broad support for the, fil- for ending the filibuster though. You have yes. Democrats from Joe Manchin to Elizabeth Warren
1: to Chuck to, Schumer,
0: right? I don't know. To Chuck Schumer, probably Joe Biden, Jim Clyburn. Everybody's in on this. Yeah. Joe... <laughs> so why do we have to negotiate with them? Um, when he was running, I thought Joe that Biden I had that... to resolve, Oh, oh just okay, cut that
1: part out. You say
0: your thing. So my question is, could someone from the Republican Party, uh, say Lisa Murkowski, who is w- the most liberal Republican and is more liberal than two Democrats, Diane Feinstein and Joe Manchin, could she decide, hey, you know what? I want to uh, solve all the problems that are facing the country right now, and I'm going to switch to the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party now has a majority in Congress. in in the senate i mean um you know not a majority by a tiebreaker and we don't have to negotiate with mitch mcconnell anymore so now we're going to put it to a vote um and filibuster is done goodbye
1: (laughs) yeah they could do that too and during the vote i mean there's nothing stopping any republican from uh voting with the democrats to remove the no, but, but if, unless, if Lisa unless Murkowski... Unless Mitch McConnell becomes completely opposed to the idea and gets everybody, all 50 of them, in line.
0: But if Lisa Murkowski decided she didn't want to... um, The thing that's holding up this filibuster thing right now is that we have to negotiate with Mitch McConnell on the rules of the Senate since it's a 50-50 tie. And if we didn't have to do that, we could just move to a... um filibuster vote and vote on whether or not to eliminate the filibuster um and so if there wasn't if there was a majority uh, in democrats in the congress not a 50 50 split then we wouldn't have to negotiate with mitch mcconnell he wouldn't be able to stop the work of the senate um by saying you know you have to take the filibuster off the table um if we did that, if he did that, then, you know, we'd be able to move on with the legislative agenda. Um, will Lisa Murkowski do this? Probably not. Is, that, is, is this even possible? No. I don't know. I have no idea. What's <laughs> a fine well, idea? Let me quickly you... Google while you speak.
1: The importance of caucusing, like, for example, Angus King on um, caucuses with the Democrats, uh, beyond... Uh, voter perception what they say and practically what it means is um where they get placed on committee assignments and presently the democrats are in the majority so they control committee assignments um for chairpersons and for their party which is pretty important if you don't oh um, wait a minute so yeah i mean it's possible she could move to an independent we talked about last time um because Alaska just moved to ranked choice voting actually. So,
0: perhaps what do you find, Brian? So, I'm reading from the from the Wikipedia here of party switching in the United States. Um, quote, "Another notable switch took place in 2001 when Senator Jim Jeffords of Vermont defected from the Republican Party to become a political independent, which placed the Senate in Democratic control." And that was the last time there was there was a fifty fifty split. That what that's what created the fifty fifty split. Um, so if so I'm that, Joe Biden, the
1: exact scenario you imagined has happened before.
0: If I'm Joe Biden, I say, hey, Lisa Murkowski, I will endorse you in your next election, or I'll give you um, a position in the administration. I'll you know do whatever. Um, but I just want you for the next two years to caucus with us or. Um, defect from the Republican Party and become a political independent if you even want to. Um, and we'll be so happy and we'll all love each other and we'll be able to do a lot of things. And it'll be your doing. People will love you. Yes.
1: Because conservatism um, and doing things are not mutually exclusive, obviously. Um mm-hmm seems like the modern Republican Party, especially under the last president, got that in their heads that that was what it meant. Um, but clearly it's not. And this, people have been very frustrated for much longer than the past, you know, 4, 8, 12 years with how little the Senate generally does. Um, and to see that be, you know, still a deliberate and... Careful lawmaking body, but one which does something, um, would go a long way to restoring trust—not just in the exec, you know, not just for the executive branch, but for the actual representatives of the people. Um, that'd be pretty. Another cool.
0: example of this party switching thing. If you allow me to interrupt you, real quick.
1: Oh, Brian, please go ahead.
0: Ha- happened as early, I mean, as um. Recent, as 2019, when really? um, Jefferson Van Drew, who was uh, representative of New Jersey, he still is, um, he uh, announced that he would be joining the Republican Party on December 19, 2019, saying that the Democratic Party was too socialist, um, and he defected and became a Republican for the next uh, Congress and um, supported Trump after... ah. He endorsed the loser of this past election. <laughs> right. Um, so there is a lot of precedent here. Um, and I haven't heard anyone say this. So maybe there's no chance it will happen. But, you but know, it's an original take. If only Brian we had Poise. more power. If only we had more power. We could just tell Lisa Murkowski to caucus with the Democrats.
1: Brian wants to speak directly to Lisa Murkowski. If we can get Brian oh, the to
0: Anchorage tonight,
1: then everything
0: will be <clears> better. <clears <throat> um Lisa Murkowski's recently said, uh, quote, I can be very discouraged at times with things that go on in my own caucus and my own party, but I have absolutely no desire to move to the democratic side of the aisle. I can't be somebody that I'm not. So Wow. Well, I guess There goes that. There
1: (laughs) there goes that, huh? Right down the drain.
0: Hey, it was a good idea. So how do we end this stalemate otherwise, though?
1: Well, that's the thing. Like, unfortunately, it is an extremely precarious majority, but it's not a stalemate. Yes, literally, it does mean that there will be tie votes, and they need every single Democrat to vote with the entire party, but it does mean... That the president of the Senate, Kamala Harris, can break the tie in favor of her party if she so chooses.
0: So but how do we, how do we end, how do we, how do we move to a vote if we can't invoke cloture with that 60 vote thing?
1: Well, that's the thing. You can, the filibuster isn't a law or anything. It's a rule in the Senate. So it can be removed mm-hmm. with 51 votes. But, but, but what I'm saying is that. a 50-50 tie it's... broken. By the president, But,
0: but, but how, do we, how do we allow that to happen? Because these negotiations between McConnell and Schumer, I mean, did they end at some point? Did yes, they just automatically end? Chuck
1: Schumer is now the majority leader, so he sets the legislative calendar and he decides what bills come up. So when they take a vote, it really is only a matter of what happens when they vote. And as you said, he's in charge. He doesn't need to listen to Mitch McConnell. Oh, so he doesn't trying- even
0: have to have this negotiation over... No, Over and they don't need 10 senators
1: to vote with them. He is the majority leader. His Oh, wait a
0: minute. So they can just do this?
1: They can do whatever they want. And all I they needed was that. Joe Manchin, I who originally is... said on Fox News that he wasn't interested in ending the filibuster, and now he is. So all they need, like I said, is, is to do to it. Yes. <laughs> and then, so basically they're just waiting until they're done with, you know, they'll have a trial to do, because they're going, um... Nancy Pelosi announced that she'll be sending the article of impeachment on this coming Monday to the Senate, so they'll have to deal with that. And then they also have confirmation hearings and confirmation votes for President Joe Biden's secretaries.
0: But so it this means Monday, that whenever they they're they ready, like-
1: whenever Chuck Schumer wants, they can take a vote.
0: So this Monday he could do it as early as this Monday, probably.
1: Yes. As oh, far as okay. I know, yes.
0: Yeah, so this whole segment was stupid now. Now that I understand that he can just actually do it.
1: Well, your point was, but I, the exciting part of it is that it, it can happen, yes.
0: Thanks <laughs> okay, to John Ossoff now I feel
1: and, good. and radical liberal Raphael Warnock.
0: Oh, thank you, radical liberal Raphael Warnock, for helping us. Yeah. Um. So there there could be a lot to look forward to. <laughs> so
1: there it goes. So We're there saying. it is. Now we just have to wait basically <laughs> and keep the We pressure just have to on. wait and
0: see if old if old Chucky Trumer and old <laughs> Diane Feinstein
1: You said Chucky all I could imagine was Chucky from Rugrats
0: Um he doesn't have a mom That's upsetting
1: It is sad
0: All right Everett Beals. so I feel like we've we've reached I our end like now that we understand that Events Now I that I feel like I've we've covered everything. Now that we understand I that taught Brian we're probably going to be able to do and... everything we
1: want. Exactly. We'll just have to see how we're that goes. we fine now Everything's good. No um, need to
0: worry. Everett, will you take us out this time?
1: Wow, do end I have the, episode, the honor man. to do man. That? Just end it. Yeah, just right.
0: end it. All right.
1: That's everything for this week. So glad you joined us. And uh next oh, week, can we we'll...
0: can we plug our social handles too? Do it. Plug it. Give me a moment. Let me figure out what our actual Twitter account. It's called Everett you tell them who you are first. I've been Everett Beals. I'm I'm
1: at not underscore Everett B on Instagram. And Twitter. Or actually no. So you're at Everett, Everett Beals. Beals on Twitter. I am. Yeah. But I'm um, not Everett B on Instagram. You see how that works?
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um I'm Brian Foisey. I'm at Brian Foisy on Instagram. I am at Brian underscore Foyze on Twitter. And the Playing Catch Up Twitter account, where you can follow to get updates about the show. Um, little tidbits, maybe. Funny jokes. Who More knows? More funnies? That um, username is at Playing Catch underscore up. Wow. All right.
1: Okay, we'll see you next Congratulations, Everett.
0: Thank you, Congratulations, Brian. Joe Biden. Congratulations, Avril Haines. Congratulations, Lloyd Austin. Excellent.
1: And a big a round of, of us for Brian Foisy.
0: And we didn't say Trump's name the entire time. Oh. 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 <laughs> Lol. Leave it out. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.
1: Clap for that you stupid bastards